Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and also thank my contributors to the show, who are executive producer Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghosts of Me, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you will find a whole bunch of information there on how you can contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is monthly co-host, Jared Murphy. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, yeah, it's good to be back on. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a long month. Indeed, it has. So, how was your journey to the American Stonehenge? Totally worth it. It was great to go meet Dennis in person after having interviewed him so many times, and then finally, um, uh, I I'm going to keep talking, but uh, in all professional, I'll put my uh, mic has decided to sink again. <laughs> I don't know why it has sifted off into the distance and this is a first technical difficulty, but for everybody wondering why I'm fidgeting, I'm going to fidget while we talk because this is unacceptable. No one can hear me, uh, at least normally. So yeah, it was really great it's, uh, Salem, New Hampshire is the location. So there was two, there was two parts to this that I was looking forward to. One was how great was just getting out and seeing an, a Neolithic, uh, maybe Eolithic, uh, you know, either pre or post Younger Dryas. Uh, you, you know, there's some assumptions about glacially that this could not have a site could not have existed. You know, maybe 25 or 35,000 years ago. That it's mm-hmm. definitely a post Younger Dryas uh, place. But I don't know. Uh, it, it it's old, and the problem is it's also been occupied uh, by many cultures. In indigenous Indians from the last um, few thousand years, there are serpentine walls that indicate it could have been the serpentine culture that makes you know every standard academic nervous across any North American paradigm for history because you don't just have serpents mound in Ohio. I mean, you have serpentine that that culture was here easily two to four thousand BC. And so there, there, there's a lot of questions because there's matching constructions in Scotland and greater Europe that correspond to not just America's Stonehenge, but in America's Stonehenge represents one of what they found to be 800 sites in the area from Salem to uh, all the way into Canada. So mm. there isn't just one. In fact, there's other books about all these dolmen-like um, rock shelters and or rock walls that are not colonial and it's very it i'm excited it turned into a very interesting trip is all wow. I'm say. 
So, so what was your um, take on actually being there and being able to exa- examine the construction of it? So that is is so interesting, you know, when for as best as we can always um, tell people, hey, you should go to a site or, you know, look at these really cool photos. And I have photos to share for us to look at. But it's the general geography of the entire greater area of Salem, New Hampshire. It is basically a ground down mountain. It's a very big hill. It feels, honestly, if you're driving and winding down the roads, they're very narrow, very colonial-ish still in width, but they feel the woods. It feels like you're driving through a greater sub-hill Colorado. It, you know, not, nothing is flat and level, mm-hmm. houses on a hill, there's a windy little creek, suddenly there's another rise or a drop-off. It, it feels very uh, mountainy even though it's all ground down because America's Stonehenge itself is on a granite hit up. Well, it's a ground down mountain basically. Mm -hmm. And the main site, it's very interestingly placed because they say in this area, there's a soil accumulation of a hundred to 150 years equals about one inch. And there's 18 inches of soil. So there's plenty of soil for growing, but the, and you'll see it in the photos is that, the top of it's well polished for being walked on and being exposed. But most of the hilltop has had some layer of soil on it. And archaeologists, even in the last, um, they've done two carbon datings of two different fires that they found that were built next to the stone walls. And there are a lot of stone walls. And there's always, there's a legitimate question looking at these walls and saying, you know, was that a colonial law? Was that built by a settler for animals or, mm-hmm. or, or, or a boundary of a property? Or, um, you know, hey, they were farming and they just kept stacking the rocks out of the way. Mm, that's true. There's a lot of that. But they were able to dig down and find and carbon date. One fire area was seven to 8,000 years old and another one was around nine to 10,000 years old. And that was just two fires. So, Here's the thing. The sites that the Stone family owns is 110 acres. And the site extends past. They've only excavated. If you were to totally do test pits, test digs. um, Now, there's been LIDAR and geosurveys done of the main site and other areas. But to do all the mapping that they've done, they've really only covered an acre and a half. that's it just an acre and a half Hmm. and that's not a lot so there's a lot more to find right and there's a huge area that could be a living for a population center a lot of people get in their head that oh you know indigenous people worked in a group of 150 or 300 or you know there's no massive cities and i think that's proving to be wrong with the pyramids they found even in illinois and indiana the there's definitely a unspoken about uh, culture, uh, which was much more extensive. But whether or not this is that culture or not, there's definitely room on the other side of a hill where this could have been like, uh, I think Jennifer Dale and I talked about this. It could easily be an education center. It could easily be maybe a university. I mean, not in the sense that we think of it, but 
it could be it could be a gathering place, but the the automatic assumption is always it was uh, some sacred site or it, you know it was some religious thing, you know, and the sacrificial altar it conjures up mm -hmm. incredible ideas. But what if somebody joked when we were on our trip because I gave a lecture at America's Stonehenge, which you were able to hear, right? Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you. Um, there's pictures even, and uh, I know that you you get to listen on earbuds. Yeah, I get to see the pictures. Uh, well, the pictures will be coming this week. I'm hoping to get to post that for members for notaliens.com and for my Not Aliens Rockfin channel. I'm hoping to have that lecture up uh, next, uh, uh, next uh, I don't know, next couple days. So, oh, I forgot. We're pre-recording. It will be up by the time you watch this video. Thank you for joining <laughs> Everything Imaginable and your monthly contributor. <laughs> so, yeah, I forgot about that. All right, so... The site, uh, the the lecture I did in town actually, I got to thank the American Legion Post sixty three. That was really cool. They 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 let me in. I lost. I was gonna host it somewhere else, uh, but that place got closed due to something. And uh, uh, you know, I guess they're a little conservative. Some of the, I don't know. It's kind of like everywhere. We're part of the country's. Uh, got their ostrich plan for science mm -hmm. and they're just doing with whatever the media tells them um, from the state institutions and then there's the people doing some more discerning judgment and uh, thank God for the American Legion mm -hmm. post 63 those guys were great That's awesome. and yeah so I um, I did my lecture there and then we toured the site but on separate days, you know, it was nice. Dennis and I could finally meet in person. And and Jennifer and I were discussing, you know, what would make a good dig at America's Stonehenge. And one of the things on the site is a possible dolmen. That there is a rock. It appears to be not, eh, you know, it, it appears to be set up from the ground. And that's very interesting because it's part of the main site but it's not sitting on the ground and that's very odd. And so the question is, you know, what does the rest of the, you know, the main top of the site, which is some of it is exposed. It has a no cover. It's still down to the bedrock. And, and these walls were built on, most of it was built on the bedrock. So you automatically know when some of the younger walls are there because they were built in the soil and not on the bedrock. Mm -hmm. And then you know. But there were also wells on the property. Anyway, we're digging into it deep. My, my point, first off, is that Dennis is a great host. I'm glad you get to interview him soon because the site has had so, so much work done, but there is so much left to do because the area that could have been a larger um, population right. center is never been excavated. Is that the part that they're currently clearing out? So they've been on a two-year quest to eliminate. This is what's mind-blowing. I'm. I'll show you pictures of the site whenever you're ready. And oh, it's born ready. Ah, uh, that. Well, let's see. I don't know without you making me. Uh, let's see. You must uh, enable screen sharing, great dungeon master. Hmm. How's that for narrowing us into the? Uh, Put my glasses on to see. Let's see. I can make you host. 
This will make you host. I hope that doesn't mess up the recording. I don't think it does. It just allows me to. Says, do you want to change to host Jared Murphy? Yes. You are now the host. Yep. I'm going to share this screen. And then. Um, I'm assuming this is full screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the entrance to America's Stonehenge. And by entrance, it is a very large two-story with a viewing room, which could seat 25 people and very comfortably in the front. You you won't even know it's there. They got they, they, they got a very nice gift shop. I mean, there's some high-quality crystals, uh, rocks, uh, uh, quite a few things that aren't just totally trinkety i mean they're actually it's actually a really nice gift shop there's some good stuff in it but uh they of course raise alpaca i love alpacas i know it's a llama llama face (laughs) like i think about a snappers in the crew and this is uh really right outside the entrance but again i just side note look at the trees and uh as you walk in there's a lot of different ways to go and i have someone in the photo for scale Mm-hmm. And you can see their their feet is about to be on bedrock, but you can see a lot of trees and you saw trees with the alpaca. And here's what's mind blowing. Every, I mean, I think it is because it helps get, give a better story and the confusion. All the trees you're looking at are from 1860 or newer. Mm-hmm. There were no trees here. So you have a site. Um, so this was an open space. Yeah, and so you got to think, Dennis is in the process. They have now worked on 15 acres out of 110, and they are busy chopping with the aid of the forestry department in a very smart way. They're donating the trees to different, like, wood shops, uh, wood schools. Um, There's not a single tree that's been ground up and just given to the chip pile at the city. Every single tree, depending on what they've felled, has been sent to uh, some place as either a donation or a project for some group. Some group. It's quite impressive, actually. But the problem is the trees are destroying alignments. They mm-hmm. took down some trees before I got there, and they said, Jared, we've been walking by what appears to be another serpentine-shaped wall, and no one noticed it because there were too many trees. So there, therein lies one of the issues. And then these, uh, I, they're almost like stone pup tents. And this is, you had asked earlier, as you drive to the site, <clears throat> this entire part of New England, it's like a lot of disintegrated mountain. There is a lot you do not have to dig or um, quarry. Like for the larger pieces, maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. It appears some of the larger pieces were quarried, um, but it, it's definitely a site where it would be easy to obtain, but you can see the roots and th- these are all intrusive. This site was completely bare. And what's interesting from what they can tell for at least the last thousand years, indigenous uh, natives have been burning this area of New Hampshire to create fields for game to uh, graze on grass. 
So for miles, this area was a control burn area. Mm -hmm. e even in more ancient times. So there was no, there were no trees here. Also, there was a massive, this is, we're getting closer to the main site. And you can see, even in the distance, that shiny wet area of the main site towards the upper right, that's bedrock. But again, you're, you're looking at a site that's, it's very hard to tell the tale because you have trees that are growing up through the walls. They're, the other problem is trees suck up nutrients. They also suck up valuable chemicals. So on one hand, it's like, get rid of the trees but you almost want to put the trees through chemical testing. Mm -hmm. So this is the main site and I, I want to get to something different with you. So I'm, I've spent um, some time and that's me, of course. So for everyone who's tuned in accidentally last, uh, not aliens.com, that's my main site, <laughs> but yeah, huh? that's, that's gratuitous. <laughs> um, but the main um, fencing here was put up by one of the first archaeologists in the 30s. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to get to a set of photos that I've only actually looked at with archaeologist Jennifer Dale, my co-host on Not Aliens and co-author. And here, um, oh, you can see the uh, night vision. Yeah. Uh, the, the entire site is covered in video monitors because of the vandalism that's happened. There are people who are, so I was there of course by Wednesday, which was the fullest. I, it, apparently it's sacred for witches mm -hmm. and, and other, um, there are other people who value the full moon cycle. So there was, um, candles in various places, um, in the main dolmen area, which is the set of photos I want us to get to. There was a, um, uh, very interesting. It was an orange with a candle. And then other places had garlic and flowers. Mm -hmm. And so these are people kind of coming in doing their own thing. And it wasn't exactly what was on the, on the, on the, you know, that was not part of the official tour agenda, but here is uh, another, it's almost like a human. Again, you could, this one, what you're looking at is about four feet tall. Mm -hmm. The other one, Closer to three and a half. I mean, you had definitely would have to like more hands and knee it in, but you could sleep two people in the other one. This one inside, you could probably sleep three. And now there was a farmer here and it was occupied. Uh, so if you're getting suspicious about the area, it's 25 minutes from the river or from the ocean. You're in Salem, New Hampshire. It is uh, 15. I mean, I stayed in a hotel 15 minutes away in Massachusetts, but you can be in, in you know, the, the wind is quite strong. So you could be in a complete rock shelter and see for miles on top of this hill, have potentially defensive walls. But the reality is that if any of this was reutilized and used, which it was by some settlers for a couple hundred years, they say that this was used for animal stock. Mm -hmm. And it is fairly decent shelter out of the wind. It really is. So if you're going to adapt a site practically, you're looking at a very practical place to do it. Um, uh, so, yeah, they. Th so this is the sign is indicating exactly that. Um, 
straight ahead, there's a foundation that's remaining. Oh, I thought, oh, I can zoom in. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so here we go. The I haven't actually talked about this yet with anyone, but Shoemaker by trade uh, founded, you know, the foundation for his house. It burned in 1855. So it's um, the stonework was definitely cruder. They definitely adapted, I think, the site. Um, anyway, the point is, is that he reused in the 19th century Salem town records show that the chambers on the site were still used to shelter those who had fallen on hard times. So it would be a very easy place to um, put people. Hmm. Um, but I, I did have this, um, I did want to hit this sign for people, but so, so that period of history is very interesting. Um, there's some like kind of the prayer stuff hanging. I, I think the, that bundle that's hanging on the right. wall there to the left of that covered, I think quite a bit of this stone structure area was actually covered and it's just, this is what's left. And then here's looking into that same one from before. Now, there is evidence of this being uh, Neolithic uh, quartz mining. You can see the quartz and the granite on the left. And there are some indications. And this one, this interior space kind of domes out a little bit and easily could foot, uh, I think you could put four people could be sitting in there. Uh, if you built a fire right outside the door, I mean, you, the, the catch is to not smoke yourself out. Mm -hmm. And all over the site, there are um, weird etched, sometimes drill cut stonework, and it doesn't line up with anything even in the 18 or 1700s. But it's just, there's places, there's stuff like this everywhere. But I wanted you to get a good look at the dolmen like, or the whatever these, these were not mushroom shelters or canning or vegetable things. This is not what this is. And I can say that again, it's, it, it feels old. It, it doesn't have a, somebody was bored and lifting. I mean, some of these flat rocks are a thousand pounds and more. Mm -hmm. the, the big thick ones, the big flat ones up in the distance, you can see a gazebo. That is actually the center of the solstice and equinox calendar. And like all great archaeologists, the original archaeologists thought the stones that were under it were just malplaced. But in reality, the suspicion is that there were some tall, finned stones that were right. in that 800 to 1,000 pound range. Well, he moved them out of the way because he thought they were misplaced. <laughs> it turns out they were the center of the equinox solstice calendar, and they, they lined up with all the far point uh, alignments. And he just he just tore it down. <laughs> so now there's a gazebo that you can stand in and look down at all the main site. Mm -hmm. And most of what we want to see about the solstices and the, and the alignments are actually past that gazebo on the other side of that hill. We're still coming up to the high point here. But the, I wanted to kind of catch this quick while we were talking about it. This is a well. Or you could almost call it a cistern because there was a high well. There were two high wells, but one seemed to be fed by water. This one seemed to retain water. And not only is it brick lined, it's been pumped out and they've gotten down into it. 
they actually dug further into the stone below to hold water. So for me, I mean, it seemed like it would, it seems like it would be a practical resource for animals. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just animal water, I would think that that's what this was, but it was very interesting because it wasn't the only one. And here's a different angle of that same one that we just looked at. Um, but the site, it, it, I get that the rock is prevalent in the area, but again, the piece we're looking directly at here, I, again, I think it's part of a roofing and a structure system that just was more extensive at the site, but it's not Egyptian. It's not megalithic. It's not polygonal. It's not weathered polygonal. This just looks like a Neolithic site that has been um, um, repurposed over many, many, many years. Right. So where are we going? This one, okay, so there's a lot of archaeology. That's Michael Joser up there from Dark Hour Paranormal, by the way. Oh. Uh, so he, he and I were there, and this is a good example of a area that was excavated many times, but this is just sedimentary buildup after lack of excavation. That's how fast sometimes nature just goes mm-hmm. and invades. It's just, this is like a three and a half foot space and it's getting just filled back up with uh, compost. Um, so this is just one of the hallways and uh, what I find interesting about this stone is that where the use of the large ones are, it's like they just, maybe it was found in situ and they just, they just put it up where it was mm-hmm. and they just kept building walls because it doesn't, it just doesn't seem like a fun rock to drag anywhere. And okay. So in the background here, I said there was a population area mm-hmm. and it's over the hill. So I'm going to zoom in on this one. And Scott Walter from America on earth has been back in there. Uh, we did not get all the way out there, but over that hill in the background is a um, is possibly what could be a population center that would have lived here at, during its more you know pre-colonial period, and for who knows how many thousands of years. I mean, there's two campfires with walls already in place, nine thousand years old, so to ten, you know, so you're talking about a very long occupation and and no one's saying it was continuous. It could easily not be. And if you look through the fence that we're standing in front of, you'll see that there's another fence Mm -hmm. that is surrounding another well. And that one's fed at least from, and that one they pumped out. And because of the water next door, it's been almost impossible to keep it dry. And they've tried very hard to get uh, to the bottom of that one and they haven't been able to, but that one also seems to be, it's lined at least uh, uh, 15 feet and it seems to go much deeper and they don't know how deep. So that's what's very interesting about that. So then um, I just wanted to point out that second well, but it's not the only wells on the property. So, and here is another set of tall constructions that are, again, they're incorporating large slabs but you're also looking at the foundation of mm-hmm. that of that old uh, petty house, and you can see it uh, right there. This is the original collapsed wood and construction to his home, their family home. So they they threw a very practical small cabin like home 
right here in the center of the site. <laughs> Genius. You know, if you got it, use it. <laughs> and and so yeah, we're making our way up to that uh, observation deck, and here is a large finned rock falling over. They're incorporated in the walls a lot. There's a lot of um, weird serpent-like or just finned walls. You know, they have these tall pieces and then it'll be rubble, 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 and then a tall fin. It's, it's very intentional. And again, yeah, if the rock is laying there, it might be easier, if at all possible, to lift it up and use it as part of the wall. But these are not light stones. The process to even upright these is, would be pretty spectacular. And again, you know, if you look on the left, we're again, we're looking at a lot of tree roots and we're looking at uh, things that would not at all have been here mm -hmm. original occupation or when it was totally uh, cleared uh, eight or nine thousand years ago. There would have been none of this here or it could have been rewooded. Who knows? Um, this. This is the main courtyard, so I'm going to go back. So from where I'm standing, all I'm doing is turning left with the camera. And this is what you're seeing. That is bedrock. So the center of the site, we're almost to the top. You can tell from the trees in the background, we're not quite to the top yet, but we're within about 15 feet. It's going to keep going up. Mm -hmm. And, here, you know, again, here's these, like, why build these large lentil areas that are only like two, you know, 24 to 33 inches off the ground? It, you know, I'm like, man, is it for chickens? You know, there's no soil, but is it a shelter for animals? Is it for dogs? Um, why build some of this so low? Uh, straight ahead, two things to note. One is the alleged sacrificial altar here, uh, uh, which they, is this. It's where they used to kill the babies. Or uh, where they killed the baby cranberries when they crushed them and made cranberry juice or apple juice on the apple smashing table. I think someone came up with that, and it's a great idea. I mean, the assumption is that, oh, it's sacrifice, and here is the main lodge, which I want to, that's why I'm, I don't want to move fast for everyone looking, but this is why we're trying to, uh, I wanted to get through some of these early photos and see if we can't squeeze it into one episode, but this is uh, the main site. This is the main, um, it has a hidden sleeping area. It has a, a, a cantilevered um, sleeping or a, like maybe a fireplace that had actually a pivoted stone that could act as a flue. It has a side entrance. We came here to the site at night and Michael, who's much more sensitive to the paranormal sciences and um, sensations, he had never been to the site, had not. Uh, we had no reckoning when we came. Uh, Dennis, there was some tomfoolery and shenanigans. Dennis was out of town. We actually came to the site and looked at it on our own. Mm -hmm. No one else was here. And so it's 7 o'clock at night, and despite how bright the photos look, it's half raining, and it is dark. It's getting dark. So we have we're, our cameras, of course, are getting incredible photography, but it's because it's that perfect movie magic of dusk and dawn for lighting. But he went to the side entrance of that structure and got just a weird, weird, weird vibe. You know, and of course, it's still Wednesday. It's still part of that full moon cycle. So for those of you 
you know, looking for contemporary energy inquiries into the paranormal, uh, Michael's definitely going to be the one more to talk to on it. But he definitely had some sensations the first night when he was there. But for me, it was I just wasn't going to go into the giant internal structure. That would be a really great place if I was a large bear or wanted to hang out at night. It seemed like a great place to sleep. And I thought, mm, let's go in it in the daylight. Even though it's well-traveled by humans, I'm like, eh, let's go in the daylight. <laughs> this is just a good example of a big-ass rock that's fallen over from an enclosed area. And again, it is no small task. I don't care if it's the 1800s or not. It is no small task to um, upright these stones. Uh, I don't know why anyone in any contemporary time would use the stonework here and not build a cabin out of wood. Like why on earth would they bother with um, these rocks? It, it, it is, it's just monument. literally part of the pun. It's monumental work. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's too, too, too much effort. Um, okay. So the stacking, you know, I was in South Africa looking at, at least Neolithic constructions that were at least 2000 BC. And again, South Africa is credited with just having, you know, a few tribes and nobody was really there uh, too early. There was just a few thousand people. And yet I looked at thousands of square kilometers of ruins that had constructions that were built like this. I mean, not, not like this opening, but similar similar in style and like i said i've seen construction like this in europe for periods of time that you know there's not supposed to be general travel around the globe but yet we're really really coming close to being able to get to that point where we can say no it looks like there was even neolithic travel among primitive people across all parts of the world and again if you were trying to create a safe space where you could see and prepare from miles around and see anyone coming and have the advantage of being on the hilltop, this is a great position for you to be in. It's a great position. It's totally defensible. And it's, um, I, again, if you're dealing with a much larger population, this would be a, this is a great place. Um, dry also, cause like I said, it was raining when mm -hmm. we showed up, it started raining 10 minutes after we got there. It proceeded to rain for the next two days, which apparently is not normal, but apparently Murphy's Law holds true. <laughs> so this is that same one. And again, it's like we there's no smoke. There's no soot because one of the theories was maybe they were using it as a fireplace and that they were cooking or heating on top of the rock. That was one of the options for what this was that you know, set the fire inside and, and use it as a cooktop. So there's your cooktop. And then there's another one just like it above it. So it, it's an interesting theory. And then uh, this is called the Brody stone. Uh, it, it possibly has a secondary alignment. It's a new, it's a new one. So it's uh, just being researched, but Dave, David Brody, the author, 14 time author, this is uh, possibly um, a significant alignment, but there are 36. All right, I'm going to see if this place, there was a discovery made 
on the site. I bet we're not getting the sound, are we? Nope. Okay, so there's a stone behind Dennis's head. That's Dennis Stone. And there's a stone with a little crack in the middle of it. And mm -hmm. it lines up with uh, that stone in the distance by the tree that's half cut down. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see it to the right yep. of that one. And then behind us, I'm shooting, and directly behind me, there's another stone that's a few hundred feet away. And this is one of the side interesting elements. So um, a number of researchers have come here and said, hey, this site could have to do with the Phoenicians. And it could have to do with um, you know European or Middle Eastern peoples. And that these alignments could all have to do with that, along with there are some magnetic field anomalies that could also say that maybe for your harvest, it's not a sacrificial altar because mm -hmm. it's for magnetic, uh, you know, putting, you know, it would have done been done with a ritual, but it may have to do with magnetizing um, your seeds. Mm. So that that's a possibility of what that stone could have been for uh, or that area, or if it was just a temple system, but the, what, we're, we're walking around the site and this is our day where we're doing the private work where, and this is the real time. I want to keep trying to give people more real time info about how do you explore site and decide where you're going to dig and what are you going to dig and why are you going to dig and kind of, and there's a number of steps missing to, for me to get to this point that we're even showing you these photos, uh -huh. but for the sake of, for limited time, what I'm trying to show everyone right now is just that, Hey, here we are uh, looking at a site where we're learning what there is it's private ownership so there's a lot of advantages in that but we're looking for something to do and as we're looking Dennis of course is showing us stuff that he's looked at for years he's he played here <laughs> as a boy his you know his his father and grandfather the site has been in their family for almost 70 years and then Michael says to me from dark hour he goes Jared is this writing or a stone and I'm like well that looks like quartz and it looks like a stone and what dennis is talking about right now and what he's pointing to is something he's never noticed before because dennis is looking up phoenician letters mm -hmm. for like the letter a and this it's mind-blowing but we are looking at a intentionally placed quartzite rock that has a very distinctive uh, excuse me, it has a very distinctive um, forming on it. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is Jennifer Dale looked at it. I haven't even published this yet, but or I even put out my video, but Jennifer thinks there's very intentional pecking on it. Now, we have no idea when that's done, but it looks like one of those scratches was added, like it was pecked in. Right. But it's very intentional. And what you can't tell from the video is that that circle and that ring is very intentional. So again, it's 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 very impressive that this is here on the site, and Michael literally saw it, and it's right next to this major alignment, and not one archaeologist, not one anthropologist, Michael Joser there found it. I'm glad I got to verify. I got to. I, I'm glad I got the assist on his uh, on his slap shot into the goal. There. Yeah, but it's look. I mean, all the stones. I mean, you're always looking for things that stand out. I, Dennis was really blown away by it. Huh. It had just it? never been. It had never been noticed. 
it's crazy, right? Like, it I mean, is. it seems like it's something you would look right at, right? Mm-hmm. I'm drawing our attention to it, but in this wall of rock, there's nothing like it. And uh, yeah, so now uh, let's see if um, we are going to go for the dark hour. So I want to go through some photos with everyone with you, but that's what I wanted to rush to. And I'm sorry for rushing with everyone, but I don't think we're rushing too much. Are we? Mm-mm. Okay, good. I didn't even see you were chugging water. I was, I was busy <laughs> looking at the folders. Okay. So Dennis ran chainsaw at least two of the days we were there. They were still cutting stuff down and I'm like, cut, 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 cut. I mean, you can see trees growing right in the middle of old walls over here, you know, yeah. and, and we just can't have that. No bueno. I, I didn't want to do that. Okay, back to preview. Son of a gun. I'm sorry. It just went somewhere I did not want that to go to. Um, uh, okay. The problem was the problem was screen sharing. Um, Here's all sorts of book info. I shouldn't be worried about sharing all this stuff, right? Oh, no. Let's do this again. Can you see that? Mm hmm. Okay, let's do this again. Okay, so these trees, again, all scrubs. You know, people think they're hundreds of years old. Even the, some of the thicker ones are like over two feet. You know, they're closer to three than they are to two. And they're not. They're all, they're all very young. And so some of this is bedrock and could be old quarry wall where they're like getting cutting wedges out of stones, some of the bigger fins to move up. And you can see some of the yellow tags where you know they're going to like cut some of the trees down. Uh, but yeah, they need to get rid of this because the walls are being destroyed. And you can start to see uh, some of the hillsides uh, that are on the like five miles away, 10 miles away. And some of them, I did ask this question. I said, do some of these solstice and equinox alignments have stones that are lining up on those other hillsides? Because remember, None of the hills would have no trees. So you could see other villages or, you know, like listening or warning posts from miles away. You'd have a whole valley covered. Mm -hmm. So here we go. This is practically standing on the deck of the alignment area. Now, you can barely see through the trees on the left and the right, but there are other cut openings exactly the same as this one. So in the distance, there are stones like this pointy one right. that and, and there's different clearings of trees. And you'll see it, it's, it'll be more obvious when I forward the photos. But this is one of the ones where Dennis and I and we were looking at it. And I said, Dennis, do not only does this line up with certain, you know, astrological events, what about across the valley? And they said the trouble was until Google Maps, until 
until we had satellite imaging, it was very hard for archaeologists to line anything up anywhere. Plus, now you have the confusion of all the trees. So you have an equinox solstice calendar that does specifically line up to astrological events, but you also have markers that are lining up with other hilltops that have other, um, whether sacred or intentional dolmens or what, but they're, they're on other hilltops and they match. Hmm. It's very interesting. And so there's the, there's the, um, center point there there's that same we're on the far side of it now we are definitely on top of this uh hilltop we're still even though they're supposed to be up to 18 inches of soil um we're very quickly at least on a rock outcrop where i'm standing right this second but in front of me you could be looking at up to 18 inches of soil i mean you can see the tree stump there is fairly thick although roots can branch out left and right you're still not dealing with a ton of soil, but you are dealing with trees that are intrusively invading um, what, again, some of this could be from that family. You know, that's some, what some of the naysayers say is like, well, this entire uh, area was done entirely by period colonial slash, you know, early pioneer settlers. And that's, it's just not true. It's, you can see when you're there physically, you can see, you can see the difference. So there's a lot of walls and the trouble with it is that, again, it's like where as an archaeologist, do you, once you do intrusive work, where do you choose to do it? I mean, do you find a burial? Do you find, a, you know, do you find native people? Uh, this group is part of the tour group that I was with that had come from my lecture, which was independent. My, I wasn't lecturing about what we're talking about. I was lecturing about our ancient megalithic history, advanced human technologies and what you and I've talked about for now months mm -hmm. and this is uh they're looking at that rock going wow how did everybody miss that <laughs> and and you can see some of the trees that they're clearing out those would have been really bad just the four trees there's a stump to the left of the group or there's like two stumps three stumps to the left and then there's three stumps to the right and you could just imagine how hard it would have been to really discern everything you're looking at you know and it's spring you know we're still dealing with spring so all the low underbrush isn't uh, risen up it would be just it's just super confusing to try to view all of this if you were uh, you know if it's all under that brush and it's exactly what happened to you know uh, all the the mexican central american pyramids and what's happened in guatemala and what the lighter scans have done but right. this is just another interior of one of those shelters and one that's fallen apart and uh, there are intentional carvings in the bedrock mm -hmm. and they outline it with chalk and they don't know what they mean, but they're, that's why they're outlined in chalk just for people to see them as a highlight. There's some stuff like this where it's just suspect, you know, like was this rebuilt by an archeologist? Was this uh, done by, you know, the more contemporary um, residents? Was, was it always like this? Did they put it back up? I mean, I can't tell you why that's there. There's no good reasoning for some of this. Hmm. Unless there was more to it. Right. And that, that's the other thing. So we were trying to get some stuff in before we had tried to do a video live on dark hour and we were filming with people at night, but I want to tell everybody that this hilltop and those hills in the distance, 
uh, what's really interesting, we're going to get to another photo of it again, but this is the, that hillside in front of uh, Michael there is to the right of the one that we were looking at with the couple with the pointed stone. And we were trying to get some good views. That one's way too blurry. There we go. And we were trying to look at that quartzite one. And there's there's another solstice equinox point out to the left of that light. And uh, I wanted to show people the view. Oh, this is the echoing chamber. The reason, the reason I guess we'll go back. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is uh, there's another equinox solstice point rock. And of that one in the far distance on that next hill is where the colonel lives that flew alongside the Tic Tac uh, UFO. Really? Yes, he lives right over there. Uh, this is that main, um, I don't want to skip it, but I wanted you to see uh, the different distance points here. So there's another set of trees that has been mowed down so you can see the alignment point. So here's finally a view. You can see the separate tree avenues. Right. And you can see one, two, three, one, two. You can at least see three of the of the points we're talking about. So you got, um, I'll center it. So you have one here and you can see the rock in the distance and there's, well, and by rock in the distance, I mean, uh, let's zoom in again. I mean, like th this one right down there. I don't know. Can you see my mouse? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. So where I'm circling is the rock. And then there's, there's another one down here, way down there. And then there's an, another one off in that direction over there to the left. So you're dealing with, um, those are just three, but there are many more points. So, and there's a, there's a compass dial directly in front of us that we're able to look at to discern these points. Could this be like a giant sundial? Basically is exactly that. That's exactly what it is. And so if you're dealing with crop rotations or when to plant or, these would be very, or when to sell, when to pick, when to, you know, there's some very easy, no-brainer, like if you're an early farming community, this would be a very valuable place. Hmm. So it's worth going to, and anyone can go to the site and make their own general observations. I've been such a big fan of people reactivating their genetic memories and going with their own hunches and instincts and whether they think it's a uh, uh, paranormal or a spiritual or whatever it is, um, they should visit the site. It's a very interesting um, conglomeration of there. You can see the avenues of trees that have been cut away to keep the, uh, the different. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this sign. Wait for it. Darn it. Darn it. Darn it. Sacrificial table. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, whatever you're doing, sacrifice this way. Okay. <laughs> uh, heading on through. Um, so there we go. Let's let's go to. Um, okay, so the sacrificial table is uh, directly. You can look at it. So that fence right there mm -hmm. to the right. You can look over, of course, at it. And the sacrificial table is between the two big stones right. here, and it allegedly has the drain off. But what if it's for apple cider production? And they're rolling. Where, where are you going to get apples? Well, there must be Johnny Appleseed. Uh, apples don't grow in New Hampshire. 
Why not? Too cold. Growing Minnesota. No, not New Hampshire. It's colder. Oh, we we have a lot. Oh crap! I I don't know. It sure felt like Minnesota when we were there that night. I mean, it was like I don't know. It got really cold. Um, grapes don't grow there. I don't know. So the, this uh, here's one of the grooves that I saw that looked more like a straight cut. This was on top of. Um, this wasn't too far from that quartz location in the wall. And the, the question is... It's probably a channel for blood. You know, here's something people could send us a message on. When you get to the point that there is a, uh, a, a video in your Dropbox, how do you skip past it? Oh, great. Zero button. So we're back to the rock, which, all right, so now we can go back to full screen. Sorry, folks. Um, it's like cell phone technology. It's like I'm lazy about the technology on it. All right. So this is, uh, there's that one very particular quartzite rock mixed in with the alignments, closer view, the pecking line, but it seems to be forming a Phoenician A is was Dennis's a bit. There you can see the different lines on it mm -hmm. more right there. And um, it definitely has a circle around it of some kind. It could, be, it could be Phoenician. Like remember I sent you that text about those Phoenicians that were discovered in the Appalachian Mountains? Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's the, the genetic info for uh, them being here. It, you can't deny genetics. They're here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so interesting how little we know, even in standard academia, about the Phoenicians. You know, we talk about like, oh, yeah, the Phoenicians. And almost very little is known about the actual society. All right. there There's the other alignment that's further out there that uh, you can see how quickly the hill dips off. Um, there's a, it says trail, not open. Um, there's a house down at the bottom of that hill. It's, it's a different property, but, um, that is the hilltop that, um, the Colonel in the far distance, there's a radio tower. Apparently he lives right over there for the, uh, who had the UFO with the, uh, the Tic Tac, the hmm. Colonel, the top gun fighter pilot in the F-22 that was flying along the Tic Tac. That, that's where he lives. I wonder if it's a coincidence. I mean, th this is also a UFO hotspot, right? It's, it's not actually very far from the Betty and Barney Hill incident. Oh, no. No, you are you are very close to all that. So that's another thing. This is a very ancient site. It predates colonial times. And, and again, there's just... If you're going to be a farmer... Uh, what I was trying to get to is, you know, and I live in a farming world. Hell, I'm I'm in my my studios in the old Northrop King building, and it's, uh, this this is not a good hilltop to farm on. You have visual sight lines, so if you're dealing with hostile peoples and you had a lot of defensive walls, it's going to be really hard to get horses around. It is a defensible plateau, mm -hmm. but it is not easily farmed. You're too close to the bedrock. There is up to 18 inches of soil, and that's enough. Over acres, it's it's enough. But I don't think they've done any sedimentary DNA uh, or sedimentary uh, 
uh, research to locate any flora and fauna to determine, you know, 6,000 years ago, X, Y, and Z was being studied or it was being planted. So maybe some of these, uh, it, it appears that the site's in the middle and then there's concentric rings all the way out. Yeah. So part of me is like, and they're not entirely concentric, but they sure seem like there's like layers all the way down the hill and then all the way up to the top. Like maybe people's different levels of people, not even hierarchy of class, but they different functionalities. And, you know, this ring was the marketplace. This ring was a trading center. This ring was a banking center or, you know, I, it, it's just very difficult to see uh, how this would have been divided up for farming uh, realistically, except for in the lowland areas, which right now we are still, again, crap load of stone. It's it. Some of it looks like it's fallen down. Some of it looks like it was stacked just to, for functional, get it out of the way of maybe something else. Maybe it was grasslands. Maybe it was for grazing. I mean, there, there's a possibility that it could have been used, mm -hmm. but these walls, um, <clears throat> like South Africa was interesting. There were stone circles that were all flat rocks. There were stone circles with all round rocks. It was quite intentional in their construction. I, so I've, maybe, I've seen walls similar to this actually in New Jersey, actually like behind my parents' house. Like you, you could go in the woods and up the top of the hill, and there was this huge, long stone wall. And I don't know, the explanation I always got for it was, was that it was built by slaves. You know, for some reason, like they just had, like when slaves had nothing to do, they would make them build these walls. Um, and I never really thought or questioned it as a kid. And then he built a housing development over it and knocked the it, it seems like there would be better things to do with your time, but... <laughs> I would think, too. Now I wish it was kind of still there, you know? So on your left, they think that this was a serpentine wall, and they think it kind of looks like the head of a snake that's half buried here. Hmm. So there's this is just one example. I didn't focus too much on the snake stuff. Uh-huh. But... I mean, you can kind of get snakehead or at the end of the wall. Yeah, I see it. There. Um, so, so could you, this do, you is kinda, do you think this could be like possibly mine? No, well, it would date to the right period. It would it would have been within Mayan. Um, we know the Mayans. I think I think Scott Walter's America Unearthed episode on Georgia Blue being the the uh, location of where the Mayans got Mayan blue from. Mm -hmm. uh, that that Georgia is the place that they found that dye, um, and then of course that there's a possibility that corn that was maintained maize that was maintained in uh, Wisconsin was maintained for at least nine thousand years would seem to indicate to me that. Anybody who is as far north as Wisconsin could have been as far north as New Hampshire. So it's not an impossibility. And now with nuclear DNA, um, mitochondrial, I mean, like we, we, we used to have to just test teeth or bone, and now they're doing sedimentary granular uh, nuclear DNA testing. I mean, we need dust now, and we could start doing um, crazy testing. What's going on? Flora, fauna genetic cellular evidence now can be now extrapolated from soil 
So I, I would say the fields of nanoarchaeology are, are very much upon us. And you can just see this very intentional cut. You know, this is one of those original maintained to the post. So directly behind me is another alignment. And I wanted to, you know, so when you're there and you're not just looking in the chaos of the woods, I mean, one of the last photos was see the, the circles and how, you know, there's clearly a wall on one side, a wall on the other, and I'm clearly between them and they go on in a very wide and large way. And you could, you could imagine tents or buildings on either side of like a, a Neolithic street. And then here, you know, you can get the sense that if it was just a rock central calendar that the gazebo represents that it would be really easy to come further out on a, again, it'd be an un, you know, fettered with tree hillside and you'd be able to easily kind of realign yourself and find the other solstice or equinox points and you'd be able to see what the heck's going on. Yeah, everything you're looking at, by the way, besides being fall leaves from last year, from being melted, you're also looking at a crap load. It, you can almost tell from the fresh cut tree in the background. There is just wood chips everywhere. It smells like it smells amazing. <laughs> Somehow that skipped a photo. Oh, it didn't. Okay, so here's one of the uh, stones up close. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Winter solstice sunset monolith. And I think this one's used in a lot of photos. Oh, how about I reduce the size of the photo instead of taking everybody off of it? So this is one of those, um, you know, up close. They're very impressive and they look very intentional. It's really, it'd be one thing if one of them lined up. There's like 36 alignments that are dead on for astrological alignments. And all of them dating to at least two or 3000 BC. So that, 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 that's, it's just too coincidental. I mean, I can't imagine Mr. Shoemaker in between everything else he was doing was setting up a giant <laughs> solstice calendar. I just, I don't see that fitting with the Christian biography of early America, but as the Mayflower still rots on a beach, you know, they're like, you know what? Let's do some pagan stuff. <laughs> that won't get anyone burned in that across the border Salem. It's cool looking stone. It is. And there's some scale for you. There's Michael hanging out from Dark Hour. More serpentine shaped walls, fresh cut trees, wood chips galore. Um, and again, it's like how much of what we're seeing has been mimicked then by later people or later uh, family members. Yeah. There's a lot of little doors or windows or openings. There's it and, and you can see the topography changing. You know, I'm just down a few feet and it's unbelievable how fast it's lowering and rising. The So this is um a super fascinating site. For those interested, it's not very far from a Dunkin' Donuts if you need one or a Starbucks. First world problems. <laughs> And th some of the walls are really big. Some are, have been toppled. Some are still suspectly could have been taller. Mm -hmm. So were they for animals? Were they for just dividing out people in their areas? Here's, 
Dennis and uh, Michael for scale on some of these. And it's, it's just very interesting to try to determine uh, without having done any soil work, what are all these people doing here? Um, let, uh, I mean, how are they functioning in this space? And without getting down to the bedrock, we're not going to know. And the wind is so tremendous. I haven't finished saying that. The wind is so tremendous on the site that that 18 inches of soil, is it, would it, would it be, would it be two feet thick? Would it be three feet thick? Would it really be contemporary with pre-Younger Dryas and like, or post Ice Age? Is this, is this really going more Gobekli Tepe, like, you know, 18, 24, 36,000 years old? I mean, what are we looking at really? Because there, there were winds you could lean into. It was so crazy. Uh, I, it could easily be picking up the sedimentary remnants and moving it to another hilltop. Some of the walls, I, this one, I took this photo because the walls are thick. And this reminds me of South Africa. There was a lot of stone walls where they built them thick and then they put smaller fill in the middle mm -hmm. and used the big rocks on the outside. So again, just imagine no trees. And again, row after row. And some of the breaks we think are from the farmers, um, you know, in more contemporary times, wanting to create paths for themselves. Dennis did not mm -hmm. break up any of the walls, but some of the walls were pre-broken up in, in prehistory or in, you know, the pre-ownership of the site. So again, we're on the high point. See lots of wood chipping, lots of shredded tree. Um, you can see it would have been really tough and crowded. And now we're, and again, you can see some of the rise and falls, but I don't really know if that's just because over time the walls have been knocked down that it gives it a serpentine look, but it looks like it, it falls and rises. Mm -hmm. How are we doing on time, by the way? Good. Okay, so throughout the site, there are walls with fins in it. And I, this is a bad example, but you can see the one of the flat, tall rocks. And then, again, they, they endlessly go on on this site, these uh, dividers. And I just can't help that. It, it's just hard for me to believe that it would just be animals. But... It could have been a large livestock area. There's Dennis almost straight on. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Uh, I wanted to get to one, some more of the quarry photos if I can grab them. But so this is a better shot of one of the fins. You can see it. This one's a solid, it's a fin and it's like four feet. It's, it's about four feet by, mm, maybe three and a half feet tall. And it, it may, maybe it's longer, maybe it's closer to five feet at the bottom there. Mm -hmm. But there would be pieces like that. I don't, I do not think those would be an easy, easy piece to incorporate in a wall, but they're there. So there's one of the, like they said, one of the enclosures again, um, got better pictures of the interiors. This just, again, if you're trying to just get out of the shelter, Great. Um, 
there there was a couple of interesting things. There seems to be, do you see how there's these little low windows? Yeah. They're built in walls all over the property. And they seem to make no sense. And you think, so it, could been, walking, you think it could have been little people? Um, it, it could have been. Okay, so this is why I wanted you to look at it. Now, we were in front of an alignment where I saw this. I saw this. Um, he was with an archaeologist, a different archaeologist, who said it appears to be like a window with, like, shutters. And he's like, what do you mean? So you oh, you see the stone under the lentil, right? Mm-hmm. It was found in, in C2 here in the ground. And normally, you know, you're not supposed to disturb anything. But the archaeologist says, do you mind if I show you quick? I think this is a door. I think this is a, a, a like a shutter. And he's like, okay. So he literally picks it up. And it fits right there in that opening. Dead on. Like it's supposed to be able to do that. Hmm. Like, do you keep chickens on one side? And then when you don't want them going between the two pens, you you put the door down. That's what I think. Like, you know, you 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 leave it up, you leave it up here, upright to the right of the window, but then when you want to close it off, you pull it and set it. It's fairly simple and convenient. But those are all over the property. When they started looking, there were other doors with there's Tons of openings like that on the left, but they started finding more of those shutters everywhere. They never noticed them before. They just thought they were part of the rock wall. Like simple functionality like that. Is that weird? It is weird. It's a lot of work, though, for chickens. Isn't it? Here it is a little closer, and it's everywhere. So it's like I can't think of another explanation. That that rock fits too good, and it was just sitting there, leaning there. Hmm. It's just way too intentional. So we're looking towards almost the end of the property line. Um, dramatic amount of clearing. That's all them. They've been clearing, 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 trying to find the edge of the site. They do snowshoeing in winter. And some of the site, uh, I was really hoping to show you um i don't want to do videos today i was trying to just i really wanted you to see as much of it as possible i i wanted to show you the um oh they have some examples of indigenous living and what they would be structured like right so they had they had done that um i realized i skipped the echoing chamber and we should probably go back for that. But um, I know we've probably killed about an hour and a half, right? About that, yeah. Maybe we should save it, or should I go back to it? Mm, we could do a part two. Yeah, I think not the most dramatic place to stop it, but uh, let me find a dramatic photo for everyone. Oh, the kids, definitely bring your kids. Here's a modern, uh, they have a modern 
uh, calendar there with a poll for, you know, to determine time of day, et cetera, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So there's a, there's a modern, um, compass there or, a uh, timepiece. Hmm. So, but yeah, I will, let's do this there. <laughs> um, there's, there's actually a lot to the site. I didn't want to really overpound through it, but I, I think it's worth people going, but it, it's also, um, you can make discoveries literally just paying attention in a way that other people haven't and or just having a hunch. Hmm. So, so, so who do you think made it? How old do you think it is? What's your gut tell you? I think it's pretty clear that people have been occupying the site since the Younger Dryas. And I think it's survivors of either the Younger Dryas or the pre-Younger Dryas. So it's, I'm really starting to try to put and table out there for people to consider that the real catastrophe that probably wiped the global polygonal pyramid building, totally energy, world terraformed, human specialized society that was here with 90 or 100 plus percent consciousness. I think that was pre 75,000 years ago, the super volcano that went off. Mm -hmm. I think that our true period of decline of, of weathering was between the post-apocalyptic event of the super volcano 75,000 years ago and then and then the second double whammy of around the Younger Dryas. So between 13 and 11,500 years ago, the Younger Dryas happens or is maybe the final echoing mm, conclusion of that super volcano really hurting everybody 75,000 years ago. And then the question is, as advanced constructions around the earth, is it this window between 75 and, you know, 11 or 12,000 years ago? Is that when is survivor societies that were always indigenous, like we have tribes now, were they adapting that site then? Or was it already under a deep freeze? Was it glacial? And was it really the younger Dryas that freed up those hilltops and made them available for creating those alignments and creating um, farming culture again. And are, would they be more acute or relatable to like gods like Veracocha showing up and teaching them how to farm and basic civilization again seem to be from these redheaded, red bearded Peace Corps types that kept traveling around with man satchels. Hmm. And, you know, we have those legends of that. And I think we need to start piecing that together and go, okay, um, does it seem more likely based on what we think the Younger Dryas was that it was glacially covered maybe and that it got really unglacially covered and then we have the extinction of a large amount of North American flora and fauna and um, species that just, you know, left the earth all around the same time that the Clovis disappeared. So are we dealing with um, the Mayans? Are we dealing with the Phoenicians in more later times? Like in the when they started doing the copper mining and, and the bronze, the alleged, you know, I mean, we have this, we have all these big open pit mines and the uh, hieroglyphs or the geoglyphs showing 
Phoenician style boats in the Great Lakes, why wouldn't they use hilltops in New Hampshire so close to the coastline? Like, I mean, maybe that was a high point and you could see something 100 miles out at sea or mm-hmm. 200 miles out at sea. I mean, maybe maybe that particular point was a good point. I mean, maybe it had to do with, you know, it's not close to the ocean, but maybe it maybe it mattered to people just landing or, or hitting a base head. Uh, it, it's, it is distinctly with the campfires against walls that already were there in the nine to 10,000 range. We're talking very early survivors post younger Dryas. So were they advanced survivors? Were they just primitive people who reoccupied the site, but they couldn't have been that primitive or they, or they were taught just like Veracocha came to South America, they were taught about the seasons and when to plant, and you need to keep track of these alignments, and here's how you'll do it with these stones, and this is how you'll grow your seeds, mm-hmm. and they they could it could have easily been a teaching center. So my my instincts put it at least survivor cultures to post younger dryas, like whenever that calmed down. The question is always like we think of a disaster over a weekend, you know, did the younger Dryas happen? Did, was there a disaster at the 12,600 year mark? And was it so bad that they, um, is it, is it possible that they were absolutely devastated to the point where just, you know, collecting a sack of crap and killing things as you went was all, all people did for a few hundred years. I mean, was it even possible to settle back down? Was it really just roaming peoples on planes, uh, killing and eating as they could go and just following the food? Or, you know, did they get back into those, you know, walls seem to indicate settlement. Walls seem Mm -hmm. to indicate farming. So is that a few hundred years, a hundred years, or a thousand years after Younger Dryas? So were those... With the with the fire with the fires against existing walls, in the nine to ten thousand range, it's hard for me to believe that those alignments and that that work wasn't set up very quickly after that cataclysm, and that is very interesting to me. You know, like everywhere there's survivors on every on every continent. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's what I think. So it, it's a very interesting site because it's not the only one like it. Right. And that's what's important is that. And they have some books in the bookstore that are worth looking at. Uh, a couple that you can't buy, but you can just look at as a reference. And either way, they're, like you said, in New Jersey, where they're like, oh, yeah, slaves built those. It's like, mm-hmm. well, actually, there could be a number of walls that you're crediting with colonial construction that are actually part of this serpentine wall building culture that. Yeah. That, or the Mayans, it, the, these could very much be post-younger, post-apocalyptic, 11, 13,000 years ago, people settling back in hmm. almost immediately. I mean, you're close to the coast, but you're not on the coast. I mean, that's something to be said. 25 minutes by car to the coast is a hell of a lot different than by foot. So to be this far in, I would think it would have to do with farming and general hunting and grazing. So... It, it, it is the the story of us to get to our most advanced ancient past, I think, relies on us also piecing together where Neolithic people not only lived, but 
cohabitated or complementary cohabitated with more advanced humans. So it is never a loss for us to try to scratch our heads and sort out, oh, well, this isn't an advanced human site. This isn't a polygon. No, it's just as fun, just as important because the more we can nail down where they weren't, we can also start also pointing arrows at where are they on top of an old advanced site or they were they always living in this area near an advanced site or did they did no one live there i mean but we we can start piecing those pieces together if we just have our our eyes open right and in that area too is also i mean it's well known for ufo activity and paranormal activity that's another odd one right and and so this is that area so you can't deny that at all it's it's very likely and I, I think that between by the time, hopefully by the time everyone's viewing this, I'll have already posted some things for people to look at and start getting this in their head. So the, again, the key points can't be stressed enough is your own paranormal, spiritual, genetic memory of however this relates to us as humanity. It's, it's worth scratching our head at, it's worth looking at, because even if this is just Neolithic people and not advanced and ancient, uh, advanced, it's still ancient neolithic people that may have been living very close to advanced people or adapted uh, or were taught farming or it also was very quickly occupied by maybe the mayan and we won't know any of that until we keep exploring all these sites so there's something for everyone here you know you don't have to go dig up a pyramid in guatemala hmm. or central america it, it even looks similar to like when i went down to the yucatan too like the mayan ruins some of it looks a little bit like that yeah like, like it, that like that one unexplained one where you said like you were a little bit sketchy about the well yeah that one wall is yeah. sort of like that that looks like something i've seen in the mayan ruins too like the older yeah, ones that's, that's super interesting because it could be hmm. easily could be and we don't have any eyes on it. I mean, where people are going, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, only man can maintain corn. So why is there 9,000 year old corn? And there's the other thing. They're only giving it to 9,000 years, but what if it goes back longer? At, like right up smack dab, right against the younger drives. What if the younger drives was just a crap situation for like a week or a month or two months? I mean, what if it was terrible, but what if it just didn't last as long as they think? Or worse, what what if we what if we ultimately do enough sedimentary DNA and sediment testing to find uh, DNA samples of not only creatures, flora and fauna, and humans, but what if we do find that everything starts at nine thousand six hundred? Mm -hmm. So, I I I can't even imagine, you know, younger, driest, massive world, you know, biblical floods and cataclysm at the twelve thousand six hundred year mark. And then 1,600 years of complete crap chaos so that nobody even puts two rocks up against each other until 10,000 BC, 10,000, you know, like 10,000 BC. Mm -hmm. it, that, that would suck. That at would least, suck. If you, at least for the survivors that were left on the surface and not in, you know, laser precision cut, rock cut, underground food stored. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that. Hmm. So, has this site been studied by any universities? Yeah. So the state archaeologist is involved. 
uh, nira.org. Um, they they uh, have had many, many archaeologists have come out, many retired archaeologists, geologists. Uh, there has been active interest in this site and the sites like it for almost 70 years. So this is not, and it's not a comfortable situation because the culture that is being found at these 800 plus sites around New England and Canada and middle Ohio look really close to these Scottish and these other sites in Europe. And that's awkward. And it definitely dates to the bronze age. It definitely is going to date to the Phoenicians coming to the great lakes. And so you're well within an area where a ship would stop and they could explore a little and who isn't going to go to the top of a hilltop so you can look around, especially one that's all grassland and you can see for maybe 50 or, or 80 miles. It, it does seem like a really good place to kind of set up like an outpost. Oh, yeah. I got the sun in my eyes. Let's go this way. <laughs> wow, my sun went down. <laughs> sun. No. So I do have a... I do have lighting, but yeah, the sun has decided to go down exactly into my uh, into my camera zone, which uh, I guess I got to get used to summer equinox and solstices and get my alignments right. Yeah, you got you got you got to align your desk with these solstices. Yeah, I I I got, I got to work on a better background too, but I love that background. Yeah, nothing like silver. Okay. <laughs> with sparkles <laughs> um, yeah so what is there anything else we should touch on before we go to part two I think I think that's good you know this was a good primer for when I get yeah. Dave um, stone on All right, Dennis cool. stone so that's now, what I was gonna say so you can put this on and then you can follow it up with Dennis's interview and uh, the guy is a wealth of knowledge and you should plan three hours for Dennis and you only have to ask him one question. Awesome. Like, just start with America's Stonehenge and then let him go. <laughs> and the, 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 the depth of what you're going to get is worth everyone's time. Yeah, I was so, watching, um, oh, what's it called? The Halter Files or something like that. And he was on. They were doing like a paranormal yeah. investigation there. I heard about it. I've heard some people who aren't into stuff like that were really scared about it. Um, I have not seen it. I, I don't know yet. I'm convinced it was demonic, satanic. Isn't that racy? What if it really was the cranberry squishy table? There is no cranberry bogs that high up. Uh, well, there could be blueberries. Got yeah, blueberry. but blueberries, you just eat them whole. No, people like to make juice out of them. Medicinal. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm, I'm thinking for, for your theory, you have to be at a lower altitude. Could have been the first cold stone. Could have been making ice cream. That's possible. That's possible. Or it could have been killing babies. Always someplace dark. Mm -hmm. Always to the worst possible conclusion. Okay. How about orgies? Okay, it's a lot more fun, a lot more babies. <laughs> that's a way to that's a way to pump up the whole village. It's like, look, we're like sixty-seven babies short. I know. 
<laughs> it's orgy night. <laughs> Everyone pregnant, stay home. <laughs> or screw it. Come anyway. We made blueberry juice. <laughs> we need more people. We need to make more kids to build these walls. <laughs> That's right. I ain't going to lift the next one. We need another brood. Get the, get the women to their layers. And keeping it top shelf and highbrow, everything imaginable. Jared and Gary. Gary Jared. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. yeah. And and then whenever by the time this goes up, I'm spending a lot more time by the time this goes live, I will have a lot more stuff on my Not Aliens Rockfin channel. Mm -hmm. I, I I realize that staying on YouTube is gonna be challenging due to the fact that I'll get banned for every other thing I want to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I, I just put. That's why I just post on my website. Although yeah. I'm, I might put this one up on on YouTube. There's nothing unusual. Not till the baby part. Yeah. Not till the very end. Uh, hopefully they'll know I'm just joking. Well, you just said you were, so now you're joking. It I'm works. just joking. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me on again. Oh. What do you think about renting a boat and doing some uh, scuba diving on Bimini Road? I totally would love to do that. I also think some of the drone technology for underwater um, work is really improved. So I think we should do that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I'm still really hung up on finding remnants of, Atl of Atlantis, proving that Atlantis was real. Mm, I think the recot structure, I think, I think that's really the best spot for it. I think it it falls in line with an old map. I mean, I think Jimmy, I Jimmy from Bright Insight really did a good job with that that documentary he did. I I think it is the recut structure. It it just looks dead on. Hmm. Um, and and again, it, Atlantis wasn't just a single city. It was an empire with ten 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 city states. So, and again, in a world of ancient high tech humans that don't agree with each other. I can see various groups saying, "Hey, look, you know, let's 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 manage these lower conscious humans that we left on the surface for hundreds or thousands or left on their own. Let's 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 either manage them directly or maybe there were enough survivors from, you know, pre-younger Dryas and supervolcano that they they chose to live in open cities until they finally went totally dark." And that's a possibility that maybe the, the Atlanteans, as we describe, and I think it's very important that we stop looking at it as a single city, mm -hmm. but really revisit the narrative and understand that it was 10 city-states, kingdoms, or whatever, a single country with 10 major cities, including Atlantis, and or the Atlanteans, whatever, however you want to put it. The bottom line is they had more than one location, and they were spread out and it's i mean literally the atlas mountains and and the map of greece that shows atlantis is right where the recut structure is and it so yeah, i don't know it's it, either way it's it's a single city that again harkens to a time where maybe really advanced humans thought that they could re either dominate or ultimately reoccupy the globe and rebuild and terraform that lost ancient world and for some reason they still couldn't get it they still couldn't manage it 
And I'm, I'm very curious what the answers are to that. Me too. I need to so, know. We do. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about figuring it out because I don't think those ancient advanced societies are gone, gone. I think that's why we still have UFOs. I definitely don't know if the good guys are the bad guys or if it's just, you know, neutral Switzerland that survived. Mm -hmm. But all these UFOs cannot be explained away by military or advanced equipment. And and I, I definitely think I, I definitely think some of them are still here. I do too. So if not here, nearby. Yeah, or both. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. they we're we're assuming that they don't or haven't continued to leave the planet, but they could be under the same uh, stress as we are in that if there aren't as many out there trying to do their own space archaeology and reoccupy the moon or reoccupy Mars or reoccupy satellites that they've developed or that they're still trying to map and find out. I mean, again, I don't think the survivors of this cataclysm 75,000 years ago and then hit again in Younger Dryas and then from witnesses throughout history in the last 6,000 years, it doesn't appear that they've gotten along with each other. And whatever factions are within them that cause them to fight in open public, there's either less and less of them or they've gotten better at hiding it or, or they've moved on. And I don't think that these are the people that were the original creators of the technology. I think they were users. Mm -hmm. you know, that They're not the scientists. I mean, you know, imagine a whole cruise ship of people that couldn't build any of this stuff but just use the technology. They would... I mean, to reverse engineer it or to continue to have babies until you had enough smarty pants to redo a motherboard and redo cellular RNA, DNA programming, you know, sort of stuff. I mean, even if you're aware of the technology, you're well on your way. But if you don't have the smarts to do it or duplicate it or the books or reference points, you have to re-engineer it. And I don't think the society that came out of the lost one clearly has the same capabilities because I think they would re-terraform the planet. There must There must be some obvious not obvious reason they didn't take on the task to repopulate and redo it and partially i think it has to do with world populations i do think we're not even close to the number of people that were on this planet i think at all i think it was much more populated and i i think that also explains the various differences i think you know we've explained the differences in humanity as in oh you know genetically you know, people mutate. So if you're in a hot zone or a cold zone, and that's how just everybody changed. And I, I think this society was very advanced and there were giants, there were little people and just like six fingers, six toes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do think that the races we see that are remnant on this planet are races from a very specialized society. It wasn't a caste system. It wasn't about you being better than me or less better than me, white, black, Asian, Polynesian, whatever the hell you are, it wasn't about um, a hierarchy. It was about, I think people could specialize in whatever their careers or their jobs were. And I think there's, I think there's reasons for it. I just don't think we're aware of it because we're at that 10 to 15% conscious mark. Hmm. This is like a whole separate episode now that we're getting into it. I know. <laughs> and, and, and I think we should probably save it, right? Probably. I'm uh, sure everyone will be entertained with at least our quick dive into America's Stonehenge. Oh, yeah. I, hope. I think it's worth it. Absolutely. 
And he's also and he's gonna be followed up by tenant Dennis Stone himself. So this That's is, fabulous. This is just the beginning. <laughs> uh, Dennis Stone up next. Next month. <laughs> and Michael Cremo. Oh yeah, I would I would totally uh yeah, I would sit in on that one if you want. <laughs> You're welcome but, to. Oh, I would totally do it. Let me let me know when it is. Okay. Sounds like uh, well, a deal. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm assuming you got to do your bumpers. I do. Are you ready? Uh, go for it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on <laughs> KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.